Welcome to the PBJ Connection Podcast. This will not be televised. Knowing there are thousands of other podcasts to choose from, we're glad you're here listening to us. If there are any topics you'd like us to cover or you have a question or a comment, we'd love to hear from you. Send us a message at pbjconnection at gmail.com. We are here this weekend to talk to you about a variety of topics, and we've already been talking offline for a little bit, and uh, I'll go ahead and and provide my two cents, and then Pam's going to weigh in, because what we were talking about was uh, the simple fact of being in a grocery store or a drugstore or just out minding your own business, and someone comes up to you and starts talking to you and unloading pretty much. So Pam, take it away and and let the listeners hear about uh, your story and then I'm going to tell you mine. So here it is, listeners. Welcome, welcome to PB&J Connection. You know, I had an incident this week where I was going into the grocery to the pharmacy, it was a CVS, and just to pick up my dad's prescriptions and I was going in there to pick up one item for myself. And I get caught in the aisle by this gentleman who tells me his entire, almost his, well, it was virtually his entire life story, right? I didn't promote this conversation. He asked me the question, where is a section for Easter cards, Easter Easter day cards? And and I looked behind me and there was just a small section. And he said, I thought it was gonna be bigger than this. And I was like, well, I guess, you know, I said, but your options are you can go to Target or you can go to, Walmart, well, then he told me why he won't go to Target because he spends too much money and he won't go to Walmart because he, he avoids Walmart at all costs, you know, <laughs> for whatever reason. Because at that point, you know, my volume, you know how we have the selective volume on our, our ears. At that point, the volume kind of went down because I'm still looking for the one item that I came in the store to get. And your escape and route. <laughs> and, right, right, there's none. Because this guy is like 6'5", right? He's like 6'5", slender, but 6'5". So he's he's taking up most of the space in, in my peripheral vision to actually find a way to get around him or through him. Because I still hadn't picked up my item because I was looking for the the one item but I had to find the correct size for what I needed. It was just it was and and the thing is, here it is, it, he not only went into what he had been going through physically with his, you know, with his health because he was having a health issue with his with cancer, stage four cancer. We he let you know, I said, Okay, he needs to talk about this. He needs to tell a story. And I I told him I appreciate him telling the story and you know, understanding how, you know, it started from his mouth and it spread to his body and so forth. And then I found out about his his childhood <laughs> along the way. <laughs> and then into his teen years and then into his adulthood. <laughs> and then, you know, I know how many girls he has. I think he has like eight girls, you know, who are grown now. And, and I'm like, Okay, this is a lot. <laughs> and his work history, right? He told you about his okay, work he, history. He told me about his work history. He told me he, he too had had worked in NASA. He had worked at NASA and 
in his younger years and, and my thoughts were going, okay, Lord, <laughs> why, why am I here? <laughs> why am I here? The good thing about it is I finally was able to escape, you know, because I found my item. <laughs> <laughs> you slowly inch away backwards and, and slowly, towards the item that you need. <laughs> right. It says, thank you for the story. I'm glad you shared it with me, you know. and Good and luck. So and... <laughs> and good luck. And, you know, I found out his name, his middle, his nickname and his last name about his two brothers, like I said, about his children, about his marriage and how cancer had Oh, his marriage actually, too. Yes, oh my God. The, the, the cancer had taken away his wife and everything that he owned, which was over $2 million in assets. And uh, we, uh, oh my gosh, was, I stayed in the, in the store in the aisle, just standing in the aisle for a long time. Mm. Uh, even a woman who was trying to get to the end of the aisle <laughs> passed by. She, she probably said, thought oh. you all were old friends. <laughs> <laughs> she said, oh, excuse me. And so he said, and so she was on the phone talking, and, and and the woman says to whoever she was talking to on the phone, no, no, I'm in CVS. That's this guy talking Somebody to else. <laughs> I'm not in a movie theater. I'm in the drugstore. <laughs> right. And I was like, and he said, oh, and the guy mentioned, the guy who I was talking to mentioned and said, oh, did I get you in trouble with the other person on the phone because they heard this deep voice, and I was like, oh, my God. Please let me get out of here. So I finally, you know, was making my way, did what I had to do, was walking out the store, and here he was again. <laughs> You're like, oh my God, not again. But he was talking to this woman at the self checkout. Oh, he'd already <laughs> he had already got somebody else in his in his talent. His circle. And I noticed myself trying to slither by. (laughs) At that point, you're like, do I really want to buy this? I think I'm just going to put this item back and leave. (laughs) Right. Well, fortunately, I checked out at the pharmacy. Oh, okay, for the prescription. Yeah, okay. (laughs) Yeah, so I just just, slithered by, got in my car and said, and looked at my watch and said, you know what, I had no intention of spending this much time just running to the CVS and pick up two items. I was like, this is insane. Well, it's 20, but, 20 know, minutes you'll never get back, right? <laughs> right, exactly. Because in my head, I'm still thinking I'll just run to CVS, get home, cook dinner, you know, do what I have to do, and sure. then, you know, call it a day. But that, that it was an adventure. It was truly, truly an adventure. And you feel like you've, so... When that's happened to me, you feel like you've lived their life in that amount of time. <laughs> you feel almost it's an almost traumatic event because you're like you've everything that they've described, you're thinking, you know, if you're if you're a person who has feelings and emotions, you're thinking about all the all the things this person has gone through and you're like, I'm exhausted. Right. I need a nap. Well, you, right? You are. You're you're emotionally <laughs> and mentally exhausted. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Yeah, and and so here's the good thing. The the takeaway from that, in my opinion, is that you're approachable. So you're a type of person this guy trusted with his most personal thoughts, experiences, descriptions, and he felt comfortable talking to you, right? 
which kind of makes you wonder, I might be the only person he's ever had to confide all of this stuff in. So you should have asked him for money for the therapy session. <laughs> That's what I should have done. Right? It's like, That's what I really should have done that, you know? Because it was funny when he asked me, he said, so, you know, what do you do? I said, well, I'm... I'm a therapist. I'm a therapist? <laughs> <laughs> and then he says... Oh, I need to watch your hands now. And I was like, you know, <laughs> I was like, you know, because I was like, oh my gosh. Wow. So, yeah. So I, I was like, uh, yeah, yeah. I right. didn't even want to tell him. I just, but I said, you know what? I, I What am I going to lie to him? <laughs> <laughs> so you almost don't know what to say. It's like, should I tell him I'm a meter reader? Should I right. tell him I'm a psychic? Right. Should I tell him I'm a physician? You know, you so now right. if that ever happens again, you have to come up with something really interesting, right? Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. I'm a brain surgeon, you know. Yeah, <laughs> I reframe thoughts. Yes, yes. yes. I reframe thoughts and right. make them be confused by what that is. Right. You know? I'm a psychic, and I talk to right. dead people. Uh, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So. Yeah, because at the moment that I I told him that I was a therapist, he he said, "Oh, he says I, I need to watch your hands, you know, because I have a tendency of using my hands when I'm expressing myself sure. or whatever." Sure. And then I I stopped using my hands and I slipped one hand like and just slipped it down into my pocket where you could see my thumb and right. he says and he says oh so now you're becoming comfortable with me and oh I, he did not <laughs> he did not <laughs> he did oh my gosh and I was like okay wow <laughs> wow well you're much more kind than I am. Because had that happened to me, mm -hmm. I would have said, you know, sir, I appreciate your situation, but I got to go. Right. <laughs> Good right. luck and, you know, hope everything turns out okay for but, you. But, you know, Jay, you come across these people and you come across people like that. And I'm not going to say, you know, everybody is, is lonely or whatever, but you come across people like that and you realize that, I mean, he told me he's been locked down for all this time, you know, with the cancer and, and <laughs> yeah. COVID. And I was like, okay, maybe, maybe this is, I'm thinking in my head, maybe this is his first time out. You know, maybe this is, you know, may, I, don't, I don't know. And I'm not, I'm afraid, too afraid to ask because that may take me down another rabbit hole that I can't get out of. You right. Know? When you start asking questions, then it, it takes another form. Right. Yes. So you can't, yes. I mean, you can sit there and listen and be empathetic and nod your head and say, oh, mm -hmm. I'm so sorry to hear that. But when you start asking questions, it completely, I mean, you might as well call it a day, grab a chair because right. you're going to be there for the rest of the day talking to this guy. Right. 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 And then he, he said, he asked me the question. He said, did you notice like four of the CVS clerks came through here? And I said, they're probably wondering what the heck we're doing. <laughs> They're probably mo somebody monitoring because right. they have. So for, for those listeners who don't know, in United States stores, they have loss and prevention security people. And they monitor different areas of stores to make sure people aren't shoplifting, to make sure there isn't something hinky going on. 
And there was probably a loss and prevention person who thought you were being harassed or something. Yes, And they were absolutely. checking to make sure you were okay. Just to find out if I was okay. Right. Because the only thing you could hear <laughs> was his voice talking to a person. And, you know, I was just, you know, trying to be as sympathetic and empathetic. I'm right. saying that. Empathetic sure. As, sure. as I could in, in a situation where I'm really trying to get out the store. Because that's <laughs> still going in my head. Because it's like... Okay, where is this one size envelope? <laughs> right, I'm just looking for a stinking envelope. That's all I'm looking for. <laughs> I got I'm my prescription for. and I'm out of here. <laughs> right. <laughs> and it was a it was a weird it was a weird situation, but at the same time, it does it leaves you mentally and emotionally exhausted. exhausted. And yeah. I, I'm sure Jay, you've had that same experience. You know. I have, and this is, uh, what's interesting about this one, which is a recent one, it didn't happen in a store. It happened, um, you know, at work, we have to, uh, we've got uh, several ways people can contact you. They can contact you by email, by phone, by chat, by all kinds of other stuff. And this guy sent me a uh, chat. He was from another location in the United States at one of our locations, and uh, he said I was unable to reach somebody in the employee assistance program. I, you know, I tried this, I tried that, I tried this, and make a long story short, he ended up, this is a guy that I found out I had helped maybe a year ago by referring him to EAP. And um, his wife had had some serious health issues but this time he had, uh, evidently his um, friend had uh, died by suicide and he was really, uh, he was really emotional about it and he was trying to get somebody at EAP to help him. And so he couldn't get a hold of anybody. He was very stressed. He was very frustrated. So by the time he got to me, I was like, I'm so sorry. And I'm not even going to go into the reasons why he couldn't get it, but he couldn't get the information. But by the time I ended up helping him, he had told me his entire life story and he had told me his health issues, how he was, you know, going into treatment for cancer and he was, um, you know, he was talking to me about his dog. He was talking to me. And, and by the time I got done talking to him, I was like, he knew I wasn't a therapist. He knew I was not, you know, a mental health yeah, professional, but he was it. still... <laughs> He was still, I mean, he was telling me things, oh yeah, I'm going in for a procedure and, you know, I'm really worried about, I'm like, but by the time I got done with him, I'm like, we really need to find a way so employees can get the mental health professional assistance that they need because I'm not that person. And by the time I got done with him, I felt very bad for him, but I was like, there's nothing that I could do for him, nothing that I could have said I mean, I'm sure he felt better that he got it off his chest mm-hmm. and that I told him that I would look into it. You know, he actually got a hold of somebody who could maybe help find the solution to his dilemma. But I, I must have done something or said something that made him think, you know, that I was, I was, yeah, I need to talk to her. <laughs> and yeah, I need to tell I, her I like, everything. Yeah, I like her. Yeah, and I need to tell her about my, you know, my 
my cancer and I did tell her about my dog and, you know, my buddy who died by suicide and my, you know, history with blah, 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 blah. Because he was telling me some historical stuff and I'm like, I really am tired now. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> And you're doing it by chat. And I'm doing, I mean, he doesn't, he has not seen my face. He doesn't know me from nobody. He he knows your name. He knows my name. And I'm like, (laughs) I need to take my name off of every website that this company has, right? I need to take it off. But, you know, I think that everybody, well, not everybody. I, I think a lot of people, because they look approachable, because they look like a kind person, they've got a kind heart. I think that's why people, you know, come to you. Come, yeah. yeah. I think it's yeah. if if we were looking at everybody with a scowl, um, mm-hmm. which I might start doing, by the way. <laughs> um, <laughs> or if that's you be a hard thing to do. Or if you just you know do a brief smile, right? Because mm-hmm. you if you look at people and you smile, how you doing? Right. And even standing or in if line, I just grab that envelope. And I <laughs> if you had just and walked away, if you had just sprinted, just grabbed it and sprinted right. without looking back, right? Right. Uh, but I, yeah. I think it happens to people who, you know, I, I, I think there's just an aura about certain people, and and I know you very well, so I think that you probably have that aura. And I know with, you know, our conversations, you and I have been talking for years, Lord knows, but we always see each other as well. But um, the thing is, I know your voice is a very calming voice. And the words, the words that you write, and I'm going to say this because you're a, a, a very diplomatic and prolific writer, is that the words that you say can actually calm someone's spirit. You know what I'm saying? It can actually... It has an impact, and, mm. and I say that because of the fact that I, I know. I, I mean, I've seen it over the years. Yeah. So, and I, I, I wish everyone could could have that same sort of consciousness in when they reply to someone who is under stress. Yeah, I don't but know. A lot I don't of know about just don't take. <laughs> yeah, but I don't think a lot of people take the time. You know, it's it's not only more conscious, but it's also that willingness to help. See, I always thought that I created stress. <laughs> I never thought I, I, I helped anybody Man. with stress. That's what you would love to be. You know? <laughs> that's what I feel like I do. <laughs> yeah, that's what you would love to be. But no, no, no. Uh, I think it's just it's that compassion that comes through. Well, that's a lovely and, and compliment. The, I'm not sure I believe it. but <laughs> Yeah, but I mean, you know, here it is. I hang out with you. So yeah, well, I, I pay you to do that. <laughs> <laughs> but if I, hey, but listeners, you know I write her a check every month just to be right. my friend. I mean, come on. <laughs> Don't believe that one. But, you know, the thing is I hang out with you, and for as long as I, hung, I have hung out with you, if I saw that there was any way possible that your spirit does not align with me, or your level of frequency and, and compassion and, and generosity and so forth was not aligned with my own, it's no way that probably we could be as good friends as we yeah, are. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I think, you know, like attracts like. Um, Absolutely. And you and I talked Absolutely. about that before. So, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, so I'm, I'm hoping that people become 
a little bit more conscious and more generous, not only in their time, but in the words that they speak, you know, to other people, because it is truly, truly important. So we're going to do a wrap up this week. Listen, yeah. We're going to do a wrap up of, of this is Holy Week, believe it or not, um, celebration of Easter across the world. And, and you know, Christians here in the U.S., they, they tend to, yeah, and, well, Christians across the globe will will celebrate the crucifixion of, of Jesus um, and as well as, you know, others will celebrate, you know, Easter non, you know, non-secular events such as Easter bunnies and Easter eggs and, and candy and so forth. And so, you know, during this time, <laughs> We, I, I'm going to say this, I have noticed, because I, I can only speak for myself, you know, I live in the Bible Belt. And supposedly, the Bible Belt, and I've only been here, I've only lived here for three years, but I have taught, had an opportunity to talk to many people, you know, or, or have conversations with people who, you know, who, because of the cultural, um, because of their cultural background and their, the amount of experience that they have with the churches, you know, they consider themselves, you know, like Christians or Methodists or Pentecostal or, you know, or believers. I'm going to say believers because I'm a believer in God. You know, I believe in, in higher powers. You know, some people I will have a conversation with them and I will determine whether you know, they are believe in the universe, what they call their higher power. Some people call it the universe, some people call it God, some people call it Allah, some people call it Buddha, Ra, you know, there's so many names for their higher power. And I I'm, try to be very sensitive in, in when I'm talking to people that if they are talking about their higher power, I allow them to call it whatever they are, whatever they call their higher power. And so, but what I've noticed about, and I'm amazed that the number of people that I've had conversations with, you know, people who believe in the Bible or in the Bible Belt, you know, they, they the number of years that they've had in, in a church experience is not reflective in their life experience. And I don't understand that. Jay, I have, I have pondered it in my mind, and I, I say this with a lot of reluctance, because a lot of, if you talk to, you know, people who are in the Bible Belt, and they, they will call it out, they'll call it out, like, you can't, like, a, a conference that I think I told you about, Jay, right. that I did a couple of weeks ago, and the, the uh, the uh, supporters of this conference and the coordinators of this conference did not want me to talk about hypnotherapy. No, that's what I did. That's my talk. My talk is about the cybernetic loop, you know, how, how our, our minds affect our body, how our body affects our minds, and we get caught up in the cybernetic loop as well as our sensory perceptions, what we see, what we hear, what we smell, what we feel, what we taste, the words we say from our mouth. You know, it's it's part of this cybernetic loop and understanding that everything that we bring into our, through these sensors, uh, our, our five senses, 
actually goes into our subconscious mind and a lot of upheaval happens there. You know, people suffer from mental health issues or addictions or behaviors that are, are unwanted behaviors by them. And so, you know, I just, I, I'm looking at these, I've been, I was said, no, 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 this is the Bible, but you can't talk about hypnotherapy, you can't talk about therapy because it's taboo. And mm. I'm going, okay. Yeah. Well, here it is. When you look at the NAMI um, statistics about mental health and you look at it across the U.S. map, the people in the Bible Belt have the largest amount of reported, Yeah, we talked about this absolutely day, reported mental health. When you look at people who are not part of the Bible, have the lowest, like California, I think it's 3%, but it's based on, um, but that's bipolar and schizophrenia, you know, um, and, but you look at the Bible Belt itself and those regions in the Bible Belt and you wonder why are there so many mentally ill people in these areas? And so that's why I, that's why I made, I made the statement that, that even though they, they call themselves Christians, Pentecost, you know, Methodists, um, and they're part of the Bible Belt, their lives are not reflected in the in the teachings of the Bible, and I'd say that because everybody has their own interpretations, you know? So during this holy week, there have been so many things that have happened here in the Bible Belt, you know? And really across the world, but in the Bible Belt particularly, like the two um, congressional leaders in the state of Tennessee, you know, after that mass shooting that involved the killing of three adults, and three children um, is is just is crazy when you think about the the peaceful protest that took you know took place at the state level um, on the state floor. You know this was a peaceful protest, and you had three two black uh, house leaders and one white female leader who joined in on this peaceful protest. You know, at the same time, the two blacks were, were you know, they were released from their seats, right? Well, they were, the, they were ousted. I mean, they, yeah, were, they were like, you're out of here. And they, the only way they can get back in is to be reelected with some special election. How ridiculous is that? And the council has to approve the election. Okay. <laughs> All right. So here you have two state leaders in the state of Tennessee who want to join forces with this new generation of kids who are saying, our lives are important. We need protections. We need laws to protect us in school as well as out of school. But yet that's, you know, for, for these leaders, because they were ousted not for any criminal activity, nothing that has to do with criminal activity, but because of the fact that they disrupted decorum. And it was, yeah, it was decorum. It wasn't they were violent. It's not like they were throwing things around or wrestling people in the aisle. Um, you know, they, they weren't, uh, you know, attacking people. They had a megaphone. They wanted to be heard. And they, they knew that their constituents wanted them to be heard. The people that they were representing, and you and I talked about this, that's what I think people have a hard time grasping here in the United States is 
You know, we elect people to represent us. That's why we elect them. That's why we vote them in. We rely on that person or those persons to take to the floor, take to the higher powers there and, you know, at the state level or even at the national level, what we want them to say on our behalf. And those guys and that woman, and I, I'm sorry, I don't remember all their names. Um, I know what they look like, though, because I'm yeah, really bad exactly. at names. One was, both of them named Justin. One of them is Justin Johnson, and the other one is Justin Pearson. Justin okay. Johnson is 27. Yeah. Justin Pearson is 28. Yeah. And, and the woman, um, and I don't remember. I, uh, I know I what remember. she looks like, her, but her I can't remember. Name, her last name is Johnson, too. Okay. Um, but the thing is, I, I, here it is, Jay. We are, and I'm, I'm going to go back to the churches here for just for a second. The churches are one generation of being into these, you know, churches on the Bible Belt, because our kids aren't seeing things in a different light. Absolutely. They are thinking about their future. These older people who are setting precedents over what happens in their lives are not doing them any justice at all. Yeah, and, and so, you know, a lot of people in the United States would say, well, you know, then they should go out and vote. They should go out and vote. These people who don't agree with, you know, what's going on, they should just go out and vote. Well, the problem with that is, in my opinion, and we talked about this, is if the particular state in which the voters are eligible to vote have been gerrymandered such that the districts are so lopsided, it doesn't matter if you vote because the way that the districts are set up and the way that the voting process is, the majority, the, the way they set up the, um, they call it gerrymandering, the way they set up the state and how it's divided up relative to population, they're always gonna have the edge. And so you can vote to, to the cows come home, as they say, and it won't matter. Um, and, and so, you know, the way the United States, their entire voting system in my opinion needs to be revamped and i will always think that and you know relative to the bible belt and church what escapes me and you and i talked about this offline what escapes me is um these folks who uh go to church every sunday and they you know read their bible before they go to bed at night and they pray um and they have very, you know very deep belief in whatever they believe in I, I have seen so much hate and so much anger and so much just activity <laughs> for fellow human beings that I, I, I don't even know where we are. I feel like we are, you know, we've gone back 30 years, 40 years, 50 years, 60 years, maybe even back further than that. And I'm like, you know, I, I, I don't understand how people can hate people they don't even know. That's what that's what escapes me. It's like, you don't even know that person. How can you say you hate them? You don't even know them. Now, if you know them, you know, there's some people that I, I'm not too oh, fond yes. about because I know them. I know, I know exactly who they are. I know exactly what they stand for. And I'm not a big fan of them. 
But you avoid them. Right, I avoid them. It's like, well, they're not in my circle of friends, and that's, you know, that's how it should be. But I'm not out there just because I don't like the way someone looks. I don't like the way someone dresses. I don't like the way someone, whatever their beliefs are. It's like I have... There's this big thing for anti-Semitism now, too. in a relationship with. Right, exactly. It's like, I I don't, it it doesn't, you are not, unless you're holding up a gun against my head, you have zero impact on me. You have, I'm living my life, going about my business. Whatever you feel like doing, that's, you know, have at it. Uh, If you're not negatively impacting me or causing me pain, you know, or, or, you know, trying to blow my head off with a gun, you know, whatever. Exactly. It's, it, it, but it's, I think it's, it's, we have become so, uh, how can I say it? How can I say it? How can I say it? I, I don't want to say indoctrinated. Well, you know, you and I haven't been, I can tell you that right now. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Some but people, it, other it, people have. Other people have, and, and yet at the same time, they 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 want to ban books, you know, in schools because it has certain language in it, or they want to ban um, uh, transgender kids from participating in certain sports, you know, that are, you know, like in the case of the girls, you know, a, a transgender girl from participating in a, a girl team sport, you know, it's like. You know, all these bands and the impact that it's having on, on that next generation, the generation that is coming after us, and I'm going to say that next generation because mm-hmm. it's not my generation, right. but we see what's happening with these kids. And these kids are trying to be more conscious thinkers. Critical thinking, I believe, is what it's called. Yes, critical yep. thinking, yeah. but yet at the same time, at every turn, in every direction, they're being opposed to because of the fact that, why, why, why are you not listening to the kids? Well, well, not only that, Pam, but if you think about the amount of energy mm. and resources that are used for banning books and, and doing this and doing that, it's like... Isn't there, I mean, look at all the problems that everybody's experiencing. I mean, everybody, the entire population is experiencing. Wouldn't your energy and efforts be better directed at those things than these? And I'm just going to get on my high horse about the whole uh, banning of the books thing. So when I was growing up, um... Parents relied on the intelligence and the education and, and certifications and licensure of the teachers. They, they assumed that when I went to school, that whoever was a teacher knew exactly what they were doing. Um, there was no discussion about, oh, you know, what books are you reading and what, what's in the library and this and that and the other thing. Um, and and I think I came out okay. I mean, I don't think I'm I don't think I'm a deviant. And I, I think uh, you know I I've got a, a pretty good perspective of of things, right? But you had a choice. Well, I had a choice, but I also I I never looked at as a kid. I think adults, and I don't I'm not I'm not an expert on this, but I think adults make assumptions about kids. 
about how they think, what they think, and how they should think, and, and how they should think, because I can tell you when I was in school, even in high school, I wasn't sitting there analyzing and evaluating every book that I read, whether it was, and granted, there probably weren't topics such as, um, you know, transgender and, and everything that's out there now, but there were other things. <laughs> I can tell yeah, you there, there were other things that were considered taboo at the time that, I, I mean, I did you know, it didn't... It just didn't phase me. And so I think adults, what adults are getting all fired up about, I think it's they're getting fired up about them because they think it's one way or the other. I think the kids are fine. I think the kids are just doing A-okay. <laughs> yes, indeed. Right? Yes, indeed. I, I believe that too, you know, because I don't know at what point Tom Sawyer became a, a book that, that was banned. Are we... To Kill a Mockingbird, okay. Tom Sawyer, all the classics. All the classics. Right. And the thing is that you get so much insight from, and here it is, kids have a wonderful, vivid imagination, and they're able to use it. Unfortunately, some, some people, some parents, have stifled their kids' ability to use that imagination, to use that information, to decipher themselves through the world. Decide for right? themselves. That is such a, I mean, you hit the nail right on the head. Decide for themselves. Because uh, we are shaped, I think, by our, you know, how we were brought up and our family's beliefs and how they were probably raised, et cetera, et cetera. And boy, you know, I think it's a really good idea to let kids decide for themselves. I mean, I think it inspires um, evaluation, analysis, um, looking at the whole picture versus just through one lens. I think that's a big deal. Kids are not thinking about killing other children. You yes. know, they're not thinking about going out here. And yeah, video games is a whole different issue and all that others and TikTok videos and oh, geez. things that are happening. <laughs> no, just say no to TikTok. Right. <laughs> <laughs> they know to TikTok. But here it is. If you do not give your child an opportunity to make choices for themselves and have that discussion with them about the choices that they are making, right? Right. Whatever it is, whether they're good, bad, or indifferent. Right. Allow them to have the conversation. Let them hear what they, you know, let them feel what they need to feel, but let them be able to express their feeling because I've noticed that people have a very difficult time expressing what it is. And these are younger people expressing what it is that they feel, you know, because of the fact that they were stifled or somebody told them, no, don't think that way or you shouldn't think that way or you shouldn't feel this way. You should be happy. Look at all the blessings that you have. But these kids are suffering on the inside. Oh, there's got to be I, more stress now than there ever was. I mean, social media, mm -hmm. um, so many things being thrown at, at kids these days that they would, ne I mean, you and I never, I mean, <laughs> my biggest decision was trying to figure out what outfit I was going to wear the well, next day. And, and I was thinking the same right? thing. Right? And, and whether I was going to tell my mom I didn't want another bologna sandwich. For, for my exactly, lunch. Exactly, for your lunch. Right, right. right. 
Yeah. Give me some peanut butter and jelly, but right. I gotta have some. <laughs> right. I don't want cheese doodles. I want potato chips this time. Right. <laughs> right. I mean, that was the big decisions for the day, and it's like um, kids nowadays. It's like there's a lot of fear and, and intimidation that goes on, not only in the schools but amongst themselves. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Peer pressure is like unbelievable. Based on what I've seen, I don't have kids, so I can't say from you know personal. But I can tell you what I've seen. Yeah, and and you can read the story. Yeah, you know, you yeah. read the stories, and it's like, okay, these kids are suffering, and at the same time, we put people in place. The the older adults put people in place for the protection and safety of our children, right? Not only that, but for the protection and safety of ourselves. Well, yeah, and when you think about protecting children, not only mentally, but when your child is afraid to go to school, whether it be elementary or even college these days, that should not even be something that enters their mind. But boy, I, you know, I, I can't even imagine having a kid or, or grandchildren or great-grandchildren and not worrying about them going to school. Absolutely, because... Here it is, Jay, and we've talked about this. Um, my grandson, who goes to a, he goes to a school on a military base. Okay, last week, two weeks ago, they had, uh, a, and this is not the first incident, right, of a shooter, an active shooter on the base. Now, fortunately, everybody pretty much on the military base has guns, right, or protection. And so they lock down the kids, but they're not communicating to the parents why these kids are being locked down. Yeah. And a time in, for them to, to figure out what's going on before the news comes on. Yeah. And, and that was my daughter's, you know, and I told my daughter she has to be grateful and thankful that he is located on a military base and he has those kind of protections in place. But the thing that gets me is when you have to wait to hear it on the news right. before somebody calls you. Or you get a text from your, your kid, your grandkid. If your kid's in trouble within the principal's office, you automatically get that call. Right, <laughs> right, yeah. Right. They don't have any problems uh, delaying that notification, do they? Right, in a heartbeat. Yeah. So at the same time, technology is there. The availability is there. You have enough. You have enough systems in the school that you can basically get a message out to the parents before they hear it on the news. Even if it says you're going to hear this on the news, we are taking every precaution. We don't have any additional information. All your kids are safe. Right. Yeah. All that's all parents want to hear. That's all they want to hear. Yeah. Your kid is safe. Right. Right. Okay. Just give us a moment. Do not come down here. Do not try to 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 cut, get on the base because they knew they couldn't because the base whole base was locked Sure. Down. Sure. But the thing is that, like my daughter said, that is the frustrating part. No doubt. No you doubt. Know? So these schools who are putting in additional security. And they have security, and now they're bringing in state. Now they're bringing in state, you know, agencies in order to up their security. 
Weren't they talking about na- the, like the National Guard or something yes, in some that's states? That's what it was, the National Guard. I mean, yes. really? Well, it's, if they're monitoring the schools, who the heck is monitoring the, the states? Well, I, what I don't understand, and you and I talked about this offline, and I know we're probably going over our normal 30 minutes here, but what I don't understand is when I went to school, there were like for each building, and I don't know if it's still the same because that was like, you know, 30, 40, 50. Decades ago. Oh, did I just say 50? <laughs> I think I said 50. So 50 right. years ago. Oh my gosh, I'm old. I know. So you say 50 years ago, there were several entrances and exits to the building. So why is it such a difficult concept to perhaps you know keep only one entrance and exit and have that entrance or exit somehow um, uh, carded so you have to have a, a an ID card in order to get into that door just like in a federal agency you have to wave your card in order for that door to open and go through detectors and and you could have a magnetometer there if you if that even, I mean, I don't even know about that. If someone goes through fast enough, it won't matter if the metal detector detects someone because it's not yeah. going to stop anybody. But if you can control the doors being locked or unlocked and keep somebody from the outside, you know, outside and not inside, why not give all the kids and the teachers um, ID cards, you know, like, like you have on a hotel to open yes. the door? Why yes. can the doors not be carded so that you can, the only way you can get into that building is with one of those cards. Same thing with classrooms. If you want to put them on the classroom doors, the only way you can get into the classrooms is if you have that card to swipe through the, the reader. But no, they'd rather have, it seems, based on what I've heard, they'd rather just have a whole bunch of guys with guns. You know, let's just go ahead and just put more guns in the school. How much trauma is that for the children well and how much so are if, taxpayers paying for the extra security are there, yeah absolutely but can you imagine kids going to school knowing that they're going to be met with guys who are carrying these rifles yes right? yes and they have to get into school once they get into school so what is it is it safer to be on the outside of the school or is it safer or more comforting for them to be on the inside? Yeah. And that would be my question. You yeah. know, there's a, a whole dynamics that, that goes in play. Cause like I said, kids have great imaginations. They have very vivid imagination. Just like that little girl who, there was a shooting at her school and she pretended she was dead. Right. And that was the only thing that saved her life. Exactly. You know, but that was because she had the the mental capabilities at that time, right? To actually figure out if I lay dead. Right, if, if I, I lay still. Like a, if I right. lay still, don't move, nothing will happen to me. And and so I just think people are taking, and I'm not gonna say all people, I think people are taking for granted that our children are operating at a much higher mental capacity than mm-hmm. we were when we were young. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. They are. They see things that they, they know things that we don't know. They're, they're seeing things that we're not even aware of. They sense things that we, we probably don't sense. You know, each generation gets more advanced 
as time goes on. You yeah. know, if you look back in the past and you look, you know, in, even in our generation, we were doing things that, you know, we brought our homework home from, from school and it's like we had to, you know, we didn't have the, the parents who were actually sitting there because most of the time they were working or, you know, busy doing something else that they didn't have time. We had to figure out the homework for it. So we didn't get the instructions in school and understood them then at home. It wasn't going to make a difference, right? Oh, my but parents it, My parents would have looked at my stuff and said, I don't know what that I is. What <laughs> I don't know what that is. Like, I can't no, help no. you. I can't I, help I can't you. Help you. I, and that's like my, my grandson, you know, a couple of years ago, and he was doing homework, and it was like, I can't help you. You know, and, <laughs> I'm sorry. You break down I, crying. I really right. want to help you, but I can't. <laughs> right. But they have all the tools and things that they have in order to get through it and to succeed in their life or to succeed in their classes and schools. And so I'm just, I just don't know the direction of our country. I don't know the directions of our, you know, what our kids are going to, what are the children of today will have to I think they're in preparation of tomorrow but you're gonna so many of the the old farts and I'm gonna call them old farts uh-huh I'm in there are, are keeping them from developing into the people that they need to be. well I'm an old fart but I I don't think I'm keeping anybody from doing anything I'm but, not being nobody but, right? but you know you, you talked about NAMI which is the National Alliance on Mental Illness and um I don't know if our listeners know the state of mental health in the United States. And I imagine, you know, other countries also have their issues with mental illness, with, you know, wars going on and other conflicts. But in the United States, uh, according to the statistics I read for 2023, for every 350 people in the United States, there's only one mental health professional. And so if you look at that and you think, well, Okay, so there's, there's you know, one for every 350. That doesn't mean that just because there's one mental health professional for every 350 people that they're worth a grain of salt. Because you and I both know that just like doctors, just like physicians, there are mental health professionals that are not exactly the best thing since sliced bread. And so... They're practicing too. Exactly. And so when you want to... Uh, when you want to get help for your for yourself or for your kids or for your loved ones, you have to vet them. You have to make sure you're getting the right fit. And so even those statistics are are not comforting in, in any way, shape, or form. And if we've got youth who are dealing with um, suicidal ideation and depression and uh, drug and alcohol use, and they are, and their their parents, for example, aren't aware, or they just, you know, like I don't know anything about that, or I don't believe it. They should just be able to deal with whatever comes their way, because a lot of people think like that. Or let's pray about it. Let's pray about it. God, <laughs> God will, God will, uh, you know, take care of this. And I, I think that faith does help. I think faith is a big deal, but faith isn't going to help everything one hundred percent. It's just, it's a lovely thing, and I, I appreciate and applaud anybody who has faith, but yeah, that's not going to, that's not going to take you uh, all the way home. It's just not. You know, Jan, I'm going to say this real quick, and we're going to wrap this up for yeah. our listeners. But 
Um, and that's a good point to make about practitioners. And we talk about faith. And, and yes, I, I am a true believer in faith. Um, but here it is. When I was at the conference, a gentleman approached me afterwards and asked me, how is it what I do is aligned with the Bible? And so I had to tell him, because I know the Bible, mm -hmm. right? I know, I know enough verses that, you know, and always go into a session asking God to help me to help them. But I told him, I said, well, you know about the renewing of the mind. If you know anything, there's over a hundred verses in the Bible about the renewing of the mind. Mm -hmm. And so if you don't do anything else but take that time, yes, God will help you on many fronts. He will take you to places and give you opportunities. Doors will open for you and you'll say that it's nothing but God. But here it is. If you're not mentally stable enough to make decisions, it is impossible to make decisions that will give you stability in your life. Yeah. And what did he say? He didn't say anything. <laughs> <laughs> I, had to, I had to shut him down. <laughs> you shut him down. <laughs> I had to shut him down. Yeah. And you know, but the thing is, like I said, um, people have different faiths. Um, but the thing is, uh, you're right. They People need to be extremely conscious. They need to, if they're seeking therapy for themselves or for their children, because the greatest therapists in the world are parents. Because kids will emulate whatever the parent is doing, whatever the parent speaks, whatever the, whatever is conveyed in their life um, is the parent. And so there are parents out there that are stressed they're, and having anxieties. They're dealing with their own, you know, vulnerabilities, obstacles, and, and stressors in their lives that sometimes kids pick up on those things yeah. well yeah I mean I, I you and I talked about that before we learn what we live and we we learn what our parents lived right because it's just a continuation of that unless you break away and and by the way I think as you mature and you figure things out you do tend to break away and you start that critical thinking and that may start uh, with kids, kids are very, just like you said before, kids are very smart. They're smarter than we ever were at their age. <laughs> and they start that analysis and that critical thinking a lot earlier than we did. Absolutely. They're smart. Absolutely. They're smart. So, folks, <clears throat> thank you again for listening to PB&J as we talk about topics and subjects. And we try to stick to what's in the news, but, you know, we... <laughs> We tend to go off on our, our tangents and we allow whatever's going to, to happen unfold, you know, to be presented. Um, but we try to do it in a way that everybody can use their own critical thinking to determine what's good for them, what's good for their lives and their loved ones. So on that note, Jay, I'm going to say goodbye to our listeners. And next time, join us again.